as many of you know, uh, I work to keep up with tr trends in American religion. I see that as part of my job as the senior minister here at First Unitarian Society because FUS is both a venerable institution as the first humanist congregation in the United States, and uh, we're also cutting edge as an institution as the largest humanist congregation in the nation. In my reading, I recently ran into the term micro-religion. As soon as I read the word, it struck me that the future of religion in an individualistic society, such as the United States, is almost certainly micro. After all, religions and philosophies here in the US have nearly always focused on personal search and growth. Now, the Catholic News Agency reports that there were 1,600 different Christian denominations in the year 1900. 1,600 denominations in the year 1900. Today, there are 45,000 different flavors of Christianity in the world. And the Catholic News Agency projects there will be 70,000 different Christian denominations by the year 2050. The number of flavors of Christianity is going up as the percentage of the population who are Christian is going down. Micro-religion. Mainline denominations such as the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, United Church of Christ lose about a million members in a typical year. Unitarian Universalism is not considered mainline, but we're shrinking as well. According to UUA.org, we lost 655 members nationwide from 2015 through 2016, down to a total just about 155,000 UUs in the US. That is roughly the same number as were there were in 1961 as, again, the U.S. population has gone up and up and up. Well, where does that leave humanism? Trends toward a more secular future for the United States are pretty clear. 48% of millennials, that's those born from 1984 to 2002, 48% are what is known as post-Christian, that is, they are secular in their basic worldview and are not looking for an organized religion. A recent Pew poll indicates that 28% of Democrats and 19% of Republicans identify themselves as secular. They claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. Those nuns we are always hearing about. So among Democrats, that 28% outnumbers the next largest religious group, which is Catholics, at 21%. Now, as many of you know, FUS is working with Chris Stedman on the idea of a humanist center of Minnesota. And this year, Chris has been working with grad students at Augsburg, surveying those religiously unaffiliated folks born between 1984 and 2002. What is it they're looking for? What do they want? Because, of course, secular does not mean humanist. The values of, and commitments of humanism set up fairly high standard for cooperative and communal human behavior. 
These values are programmed into us, we believe, by natural selection, but being communal and tribal is not always our first response, shall we say. So we work on being humanist, not secular. Now, as I look across the charred and burning religious landscape, I have to ask myself some questions. If not an organized religion, where are, or even are, people finding meaning and purpose? Where are they finding it? A second question, in the rapid fragmentation of religion into what I think we have to call do-it-yourself consumerism, when does personal become merely solipsistic? In other words, when does the path to meaning and purpose lead only to gazing at your own navel in wonder? <laughs> what does a concept such as religion even mean today in our context? We do throw it around rather knowingly, but what the heck is it? And what does an explicitly humanist congregation such as this one offer in that religious landscape? This week I'm going to look at the personal implications on our fragmenting religious landscape. And on February 4th, I'm going to talk about congregating and aggregating and looking at what a congregation, I hope, adds to a collective. So, not bad as a focusing question, I think, is what the heck is religion, after all? I don't, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> In your order of service this morning, there's a quotation up there at the top on the left from uh, William James. He, of course, wrote the classic work, The Varieties of Religious Experience. James had a, I think, uncanny ability to boil religious ideas down to their essences. James wrote this. The warring gods and formulas of the various religions do indeed cancel each other. But there is a certain uniform deliverance in which religions all appear to meet. It consists of two parts, an uneasiness and its solution. An uneasiness and its solution. Now, he went on to write, didn't have uh, room for the rest of this quote, Quote, the uneasiness reduced to its simplest terms is a sense that there is something wrong about us as we naturally stand. There is something wrong about us. And two, the solution is a sense that we are saved from the wrongness by making proper connections with higher powers. Now, though James was working from a very Western way of processing saved, right, uh, and, you know, I have to admit that I think I like a Westerner, too, but I think, like, with a little bit of tweaking, this definition that he's offering can work pretty well with all of the world religions. One, we perceive that there is something wrong with us as we are. Uh, we wake up many days feeling like a hot mess, right? And two, we know somehow within ourselves that a proper connection to reality, some kind of reality, will save us from that something wrong and reduce the time we feel like a hot mess. At least in my understanding, Taoism, Buddhism, Confucianism, Islam, Hinduism, and all that other host of religions pretty well work this way. Now, the question is, 
why do we human beings perceive of ourselves as being somehow wrong? I'm not talking about being told that you're less than or being sinful. I'm talking about what could be called that religious intuition. Why do we have that? Don't cats and dogs, for example, at least appear to see themselves as perfectly good cats and dogs? There's nothing inherently wrong with them. It doesn't appear. My guess is that we human beings have the ability to abstractly consider the fact that we are aging and will die, as well as will everyone else and everything that we love. I think this is probably the most basic wrong that we feel of what's wrong. Not necessarily a fear of death, but the knowledge that we will cease to exist as will everything that we love and eventually the universe as we know it. Now, I think that's pretty well summed up in the Flaming Lips song, Do You Realize? Do you realize that everyone you know someday will die? The solution to the wrong, according to the Flaming Lips, goes like this. And instead of saying all your goodbyes, let them know you realize that life goes fast. The Flaming Lips way of dealing with this wrong with us of life is very humanist, I think you would agree. It is about seeing reality for what it is. Quote, you realize the sun doesn't go down, it's just an illusion caused by the world spinning around. Now the atheist poet Wallace Stevens also dealt with this question, do you realize that everyone you know someday will die, by turning the problem on its head. He wrote this, beauty is momentary in the mind, the fitful tracing of a portal, but in the flesh it is immortal. The body dies, the body's beauty lives, so evenings die, in their green going, a wave interminably flowing, so gardens die, their meek breath scenting the cowl of winter, done repenting. End quote. We are, in other words, part of the flow of nature that goes on and on and will for a few billion more years, despite our individual expiration date. In the classic mapping of what religion or spirituality provide, I think there are three main points in escaping that feeling that something's wrong. One, a sense of connection with what is. That's what religion can do, a sense of connection with what is. Now, various religions have various answers to what is. One is one of the gods, another is nature, the world, the universe, the cosmos, but a sense of connection to reality. Two, a sense of being part of something larger than yourself. And three, a sense of meaning and purpose in our individual lives. These are the things that make people resilient within religions. These feelings arise in contexts ranging, ranging from the huge mystical experiences of utter boundlessness, ah, I'm one with the universe, down to just, you know, a general feeling of commitment as you putter around your garden or your house. 
Now, I agree with the flaming lips and Wallace Stevens in speculating that the biggest something wrong for human beings is that we ourselves and everything we know and love will go away. We can deal with this fact in one of two ways. In religions, we can deny it, saying everyone will go to an eternal reward, or we can accept that reality as it appears to be. And as the flaming lips say, and instead of saying all your goodbyes, let them know you realize that life goes fast. Or as Wallace Stevens put it, so evenings die and they're green going, a wave interminably flowing. This is the essence of resilience in the teachings of religion. Cats and dogs appear to know that all of this decay and this growth and this change is just fine. Now clearly part of the fragmentation on the American religious landscape has to do with the rapid dissemination of knowledge nowadays. Just as Gutenberg's press caused the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s by rapidly distributing books that at one time would have been the exclusive property of the religious elite, so now the internet rapidly disseminates information without the filters of professionals who were once considered experts. For example, and speaking of religions, Sweden has just recognized a brand new religion called Copymeism. K-O-P-I-M-I-S-M, -I -I and you can look it up on your bio-external extended mind device uh, and see it's got some cool uh, little illustrations. Copymeism uses the catchphrase, all knowledge to all, all knowledge to all, which is, you know, that's a sentiment I can get behind. Copymeism is not only an example of the sort of religion that can be invented and propagated on the internet, but this one is actually about the internet. The claims of copymeism are these. One, the search for knowledge is sacred. Two, the circulation of knowledge is sacred. Three, the act of copying is sacred. The sacred symbol of copymeism is the old yin-yang symbol with the addition on one side of control C for copy <laughs> And on the other, control V for paste. <laughs> Copymeism is certainly a sign of our times, though I suspect it won't be the next big thing. Copymeism does exhibit a couple of things about why religion is becoming more and more fragmented. One of those things is increasing knowledge, and the other is the consumerist edge that permeates thinking in our Western world. It is sacred to give information away. After all, capitalism is based on the assumption of the inviolability of the individual who is free to consume. In Unitarian Universalism, we say the inherent worth and dignity of every person. This is a very old Western idea. Even though I think that all human religions spring from some basic human psychology, Eastern and Western religions view the individual very differently. To put the matter a bit too simply, some religions tell us that we are A-OK -okay as individuals, while other religions tell us to get over ourselves. In classic Christianity, it's you and God. That's individualism, isn't it? It's you and God. 
get right with God, and you get eternal life. But that vision of eternal life is about individuals. In the great by and by, the circle will be unbroken, and you'll get to hang out with Grandma again in the heavenly choir. Perhaps even your beloved dogs and cats will go to this particular heaven. It's a very 19th century Christian heaven, by the way, and it wasn't like that in earlier times. Now, I'm not making light of this vision. It's very grand to think that, but it is the essence of me, me, me. It is my eternal life that I am getting. I think that one reason Western religions are fragmenting into endless subgroups is just this consumerist, subjective individualism. I get to choose the religion that's right for me, or I get to construct one that makes sense to me, pulling this bit from Christianity and that bit from Buddhism and on and on. Other religious traditions, however, and this includes humanism, stress that getting over ourselves and serving others is the way out of feeling like a hot mess all the time. That's why we have a hands-on humanism award here at FUS, getting over ourselves and serving others. Now, as I said earlier, the values and commitments of humanism set a high standard for cooperative and communal human behavior. These values are programmed into most of us, some not, most of us by natural selection, but they aren't always or even usually the easiest path, as I said earlier. We've got to pick up our hot mess selves and get into community in order to get over ourselves. And our acceptance that the beauty of life is also its tragedy underwrites everything we humanists do. And instead of saying all our goodbyes, as the flaming lips remind us, let them know you realize that life goes fast. So to sum up, that's where I see humanism in this congregation mattering in this religious world. For me, religion is about discerning and understanding how we human beings developed and how we function and how the world and the cosmos developed and functions. Albert Einstein put it pretty well. He said, I am a deeply religious non-believer. This is a somewhat new religion, he says. If something is in me which can be called religious, then it is the unbounded admiration for the structure of the world, end quote. And science is probably the best way for we Westerners to learn that it's not about me, 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 and my navel. It is rather, I am because we are. A cat can be a fine cat all by itself, but how can I practice being human all by myself? Human beings are social and tribal animals. That's what we are. We need to congregate and interact in meaningful ways. Yes, personal reflection and growth is important, and congregations in the future will continue to be about personal search for truth and meaning. But more importantly, they will be about community. Communities where generations, social classes, and human beings in all of our rich variety will gather to get over ourselves and go on being more fully human.